It all began on August 7th, 2007, when I decided that I was really going to make a run at this podcasting thing. Hello, and thank you to everybody who was patient enough to wait through all that. I was having a lot of problems with Skype. Welcome to the relaunch of the Project Shadow Informant live on TalkShoe. I am new to the format, and I am new to doing any kinds of call-in or interactive talks, so I hope that this works out. I'm very excited to be bringing the show back to you all, and hopefully we can have a good time with it. What we are going to be doing here is kind of talking about what's going on in the world of science fiction and fantasy, and talking about, well, anything that comes to mind, really. And things really haven't changed, have they? Well, the audio quality has gotten a lot better, I hope. But that was the best we could do back then. Yeah, it's been a long, strange trip. And today... We're celebrating our 1,000th episode of Project Shadow. So, please join me as we go down memory lane on this episode, this 1,000th episode of Project Shadow. This is human. That's fine. I mean, I can break through walls, I just can't. That's fine. Greetings, mm. Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Prepare for blast-off. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? What? Where is my super suit? Tell me what my suit is, woman! We are talking about the greatest... Hey! I live there. I bought a house there. I'm gonna take you there! To boldly go where no man one has gone before. This is the Project Shadow Informant. Here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Croquet Contest. Ah. This boy is fueled like fire. So like stop fire. melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot. <laughs> you know it. Right side, right heels, right head, right on. Right on, right on, right on. Right on. Uh, hi! Welcome to this episode of Project Shadow, and I'm Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And I'm Brian. That's my husband and original co-host of this show. And if you're new to the podcast and you're wondering, what in the world was that that we just heard? That was our original Friday intro for the show that we used to do every week for our party Friday episode and since today is i I still can't believe i could say this since today is our 1000th episode 1000 1000 i thought i would thousand episodes 1000 episode yeah i feel like that really does need like a dr evil thing on it the the pinky really actually works the pinky i I didn't do the pinky and mine wasn't nearly yeah the pinky really helps okay yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> today we're celebrating our thousandth episode. We started years ago. Well, we actually, I started a long time ago, and it took about two or three months before I got you on the show, and I had literally no idea what I was doing. I had, I, I, I didn't, I had no clue. I wanted to do a show. I 
heard about this thing called podcasting and um adam curry had just started um the pod show network and i had this show start there and that's where the earliest episodes were were over on pod show for anybody who remembers pod show yeah i don't think it exists anymore um or at least not in its original state if it does but yeah and several platforms over the years. Yeah, we did Pod Show. We did um, mm-hmm. Talk Show. Yeah, Talk Show. I know some of you came from, which that was fun. That's when back when we did a call-in show. Yeah, because Talk Show let you do call-in shows, and they still exist, believe it or not. I, I went to see. They I was do. curious. I was curious. They still exist. They oh. still have those really, really crappy, crappy versions of the episodes up. Oh, they they were rough. They were rough because their audio recorder was terrible. We had to record the audio for the show specially. We had to really rig something to get all of the sound out of the machine from our mics and from the call-ins. To, we, we were literally recording on several different machines to get everything to funnel together into one one sound system to work. And I'm missing somebody in there. We we were somebody else, and then yeah, then we went independent for a while, and then we found Anchor, and yep. that's where we're at now. And I am very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who was in between. And there were some, yeah, there was somebody between, um, Takshu and they were in a dark period. So yeah, like a lot of things in the dark ages, eh, rumors, myths. Does anybody may, may remember the before time? Yeah. <laughs> I've had time remembering the before time. But yeah, th- this 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 show started as kind of the culmination of a dream. When I was a kid, all I wanted was a radio show. But I, I wanted it so bad. And my sister had a friend who worked at our local radio station when I lived in Frederick, Maryland. And they worked out a de- well i i don't know if anybody knew that we were going to do it until we did it but it was too late because we were on the air she worked out a deal with him and my friend matt and i went in and we were able to take over the radio station for two hours <laughs> and this would have been when i was in fifth sixth fifth or sixth grade when when this happened and so you have these 10 11 year olds <laughs> Sitting on the radio doing stuff. We did call-ins. We did requests. We did the whole thing. It was so fun. He ran the board and we had the mics. And it was so much fun. And it was something that I really wanted to do. And then I met more people in the in, in radio and realized, uh, no, that's something I really don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not, no. That's, that's not the industry I want to be in. And then podcasting happened. What do you mean? I can have a radio show without having to deal with all that politics stuff? Ooh. The claw. Yeah. Like, this is the time where I wish we still had our old soundboard. <laughs> I missed the soundboard. Yeah. We started off like, we were like a morning zoo show when we first started. Yeah. There was... we, we had a soundboard. Brian ran the soundboard. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> We had all kinds of random noises that would come in and punctuate stuff. Like, I mean, we were a morning zoo show 
and that worked great because most of our audience at the time listened to us either on their morning commute to work or listened um, when they first got to work and were just starting their day. And yeah, we it was a wacky time back then. Yeah. It was wacky. We mostly did uh, reviews when the show News started. And News and reviews. Brian was infamous for his theater renter segments. Yep. And it was crazy. Yep. Is it good enough to go out in the theater and watch or just wait till you can rent it? Yeah, and that's that's something we've been doing for a long time. And now, thanks to everything going on in the world, nothing's worth going to the theater for. I'm sorry, I just I don't foresee myself ever going into a theater again. Well, you know, ultra now that you have ultra 4K HD, oh that HDR, you know, giant screen TVs that are affordable in the home. It's like you got a theater already at your home and surround systems that are not not that expensive that you know already give you all that. You know, it's kind of hard to actually pay attention to you right now because over your shoulder is that drive-through of the kelp farm. Oh man. The Kelp Forest in 4K Ultra HD on the screensaver on the TV. It's really pretty. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I still don't know how I got you to ever be on the show. Because you I remember when I first pitched this idea to you, I was like, I'm gonna do this thing called podcasting. You're like, What what? What's a, what's podcasting? I'm like, it's this thing where you create a show and it's on an RSS feed and then you put that in a podcatcher. What's a podcatcher? Well, there's Podlemon and Podcatch. <laughs> and because we got started when we first got started, I think I I don't think iTunes was I, I think you could they had a thing where you could go into the menus and add the RSS feed manually. Yeah. I don't think the yeah, pod, I don't think they had it actually out yet. I don't think that they had the directory up. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, think that was when we first got started. Like, I mean, they were still debating over the word podcast yeah. when we started. Yeah, Leo Laporte was very big that it needs to be a uh, netcast because podcast—that's an iPod thing. It's going to do one of those old timer bad jokes things, but like some of the youngest listeners of you out there, you might not even been born yet. Oh, I know. <laughs> when in, we what, started podcasting, was it two thousand six? I think when yeah. we first got started. Yeah. That was really the before time. Yeah. And the internet was fresh and young. There was no Facebook. We had a MySpace page. Technically in our 20s still. Technically in our (laughs) 20s still. You know, because I remember because that was was the year of, next year was the year of the crisis. Yeah, we're zooming in on that. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a wild ride in. Never in my life did I think that I would get to the point where I had done a thousand of anything. Like, that's just the craziest thing about today is a thousand episodes. Like, I mean, there are a thousand things that we've done that you just don't think about. Like, I've chewed food a thousand times. I've had over a thousand meals, you know, like, but. <laughs> we drove over a thousand miles. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to go to a convention. Yeah, <laughs> like, just last week. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, not some, last week. Don't freak out, people. Some some commuters, but yeah, yeah. It's 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 been a really wild ride, and I I want I want to thank anybody who's been with us for the long haul. Like 
If anybody remembers the Y'all show, let me know. I, I, I if you can prove it to me, because I, I don't think it's on the feed anymore. Oh, man. But there was an episode that we titled the Y'all show because I said y'all about every 15 seconds yeah. on it. It was one of our earliest episodes. And I don't think it's the, still on the feed. The first 10 were were precious because oh, they were just they're so bad. So bad. No idea. They're so bad. I had no idea what I was doing. We're, I was using the microphone, the built-in microphone on my laptop. Yeah. Because we like didn't if, have a mic if yet. If someone said, well, what's your format? We'd have been like, format? Format? What is, what is this? What is this? Stuff? Oh, we just format. We turn on a microphone and we talk. Like, when I when I say that that was one of our first. <laughs> just a bunch of people are going, but isn't that what you always do anyhow? <laughs> it's like. Yeah, but that's the format. The no. format is the non-format. No, Actually, the, despite what wait, some people think, despite what some people might think, this series, the, this podcast actually has a fairly tight format that I do hold to quite rigidly. It's just, I sound like a dead robot that is being powered down at the end of 2001, a space oddity, a space odyssey. If you well, actually, I, I'm much more Bowie. So yeah, a space oddity. Um, <laughs> when when I read off of a script, I, I just can't read off of a script. Oh, uh, Daisy, no. Daisy. no, it's bad. I, I tried. There was some of the, let's see, that would probably be in the 50 through the 100s. So there's times in there when I, I, I tried to, to force scripts and stuff because I was like, Doing my homework and going, oh yeah, you know, you should have scripts. We should, we should have this thing scripted out. We should know, because we just, you know, it'll work. And no, no scripts, scripts bad, scripts bad. Which is really fun because I'm currently working on some scripted content for this show, and that's gonna be a fun experiment to teach me not to sound like a dead fish. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I sound like Hal at the end of 2001. It's terrible. Oh, and, and and the resistance, the resistance to the scripts was astounding. Because I, you didn't listen to the episodes, and I did. <laughs> so I knew what oh I sounded like. And I had to sit you down with Crazy. headphones on and make you listen to an entire episode of me. This is what we are talking about today's episode. I was like, well, what about an outline? Just try an outline. And I do outlines. I still do outlines. Yeah. It is no. I still I, today I didn't because it's the thousandth episode and I I just today. want to riff. You kind of did today. I kind of did. Yeah, we sat out and kind of did a yeah brief <laughs> overview of what we wanted to talk about. But it would it would be more like a Brian Splains if it didn't have some kind of structure to it. Trust me. <laughs> and the 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 most uns the most structured episodes of this podcast are honestly the rants. And I know that the rants are popular with some of you. They, they are really the most structured thing that I do because one, I, I am no stranger to the four letter word and I am no, and especially when I get overheated, uh, I, I can let some expletives fly. And we used to do a show called Dash Punk Unfiltered that oh, I yeah. don't think is up anywhere anymore, but um, <laughs> that's, that, that's because we apologize continuously and often to the government of Switzerland. We are sorry. We, it wasn't my fault. It was a guest on the show. I, I apologize. 
I am oh so, so 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 sorry for what happened on that so show. So much anger. So much. Um, but that's when we learned that we shouldn't do a drunk podcast with friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's unfiltered. That's unfiltered. Um, so yeah, I, when I when I do the rant episodes, I have to kind of replay them enough in my head that I won't accidentally start screaming obscenities at the top of my lungs. Yeah. So th- that's probably the closest thing on this podcast to like a fully scripted thing. Cause I've kind of rehearsed it in my head just to make sure that I'm not going to say foul language. So, yeah. um, what, what <clears throat> if you had to choose, what would be your favorite memory of doing this podcast? So for me, uh, one of mine, I still laugh about it to this very day, way, way back, goes way back, um, one of the earliest episodes uh, that we were doing, the we had a chat room running at that time, and so we were doing live chats and stuff, people could could chime in and, and share stuff or, or give comments or feedback or whatever, and uh, this was talk show. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the earlier talk show episodes. This guy gets in the chat room and is just like, go, types, do something funny. And so my, my first thought is, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I only get one funny joke a week because <laughs> he, he does. I'm, I'm bad with humor. Oh, so bad. So bad. So bad. Like, like there are dad jokes. Like people make the joke about dad jokes. There are dad jokes and then there are Brian jokes. Brian jokes are like, what would happen if a pun tried to have a baby with a non sequitur and they ended up as pie? (laughs) (laughs) Or as I like to say, they're resurrected zombie dad jokes. (laughs) Yeah, that that works too. (laughs) You just really want to shoot them in the head. Yes. Because they're that bad. bad. (laughs) Put them back out of their misery. So bad. Shoot them in the head. Put them out of their misery. So, and and the bad joke is I get one funny joke a week because eventually with enough of them, one of them is going to land. Stop clock is right. At the least stop twice clock a day. Is, yeah. And I'm, and I get one funny joke a week. Yep. So my first thought was, Oh crud. I'm not going to be able to say a funny joke because I, I don't want to waste it yet. It was too early in the week to waste my one funny joke. So then I thought, Oh, I'll just do some slapstick thing. And like, then I dawned in my head, there were processes like, wait, dummy, you're on a, uh, on a podcast. There's no visual. Like, even if I did something, it would just sound like I fell out of my chair. There'd be some commotion in the background. Just be background noise that, you know, it would be like really weird. Instead, he kept saying, do something funny. And I'm just like thinking to myself, like, well, I don't know what, what do you mean? Do something fu-? like trying to figure this out. And it was, it was kind of funny because I think I said some funny things. Maybe I don't know. And I kept, I kept trying to figure out what could I do that's funny. But of course, it's all about saying it's and not all about doing. The sound. And I was just like, I could make weird noises, <laughs> so maybe that'll be funny. Uh, probably not, <laughs> you know. And like, and then of course, partly you know, about halfway through the episode, I'm thinking to myself, and why am I trying to entertain one chucklehead who keeps saying do something funny? Like, <laughs> it was like. It was, yeah, it was, it, it, I still think about it to this day because it's just like every now and then if there's an awkward silence or something, that that voice pops up in my head and goes, 
do something funny, you know, just shouts out of the void, you know, and it just makes me laugh, which probably looks even more awkward because it's usually like some weird, awkward, silent moment. And then I just start laughing and everyone looks at me and I'm like, this is going to take a while to explain. So, yeah, y'all missed out. (laughs) To me, my favorite memory. Do something funny. (laughs) (laughs) My, My favorite memory from doing the show is... Back in our talk shoe days, we met a lot of very wonderful people. One of them is the fabulous horror writer, um, Amarian Rich. And if you're not reading her books, you should be reading her books. Um, she does her own podcast over at horroraddicts.net. And you should definitely check her out if you're into all things horror. She also has a series of uh, ro- romance novels out, but I can't remember the pen name she writes them under because I'm a bad friend. Um, <laughs> But we actually met her on TalkShoe because she was just starting a show and was kind of going around from chat room to chat room, checking out the shows that were going on to see what people were doing. And um, she ended up reading one of my early books. She ended up reading Shine Like Thunder. And then she said it wasn't the book's fault, but she got really, really sick shortly after reading the book. <laughs> And had a fever dream of Kurt Cobain singing a song about the podcast, about the book. And she actually recorded a version of that song and sent it to me. And um, that was the first time, and to my knowledge, the only time any of my works has ever had a filk made of it. And... I don't know that that's one of those achievement unlocks (laughs) like, and you know, if it wasn't for the show, you know, we would have never met. I would have, you know, never had the friendship that I've had with her over the years and that, that would never have happened. And I, I still think about that as like one of the, those strange high points in my life that like somebody that I didn't know from Adam took the time to make that just to brighten my day. And, that, that more than anything is what I love about podcasting is, you know, this is where I get to be all sappy, but it's you all, you know, cause I, I do this typically just me and three cats and a dog sitting in a room together and, you know, getting to share my thoughts with you all and have these conversations. It really does mean a lot to me because it's hard to find community in this world and, it's really nice to have that. So that's my sappy. That's my Charlie gets sappy moment for the day. Do something funny. (laughs) No. Oh, and (laughs) one last thing before we go into the next segment where I will start um, playing some clips from the old show. If you noticed in that intro that we played, you hear Brian's voice calling this podcast, the project shadow informant. Oh, yeah. That was the original name for the podcast. It was the Project Shadow Informant. And the reason for that is we were running a community site called Project Shadow at the time. And a lot of the blog posts from that are still up over at Project Shadow for you to look at and read. Um, Some have not survived the various transitions from platform to platform, but a lot of them are still up over there. And the podcast was kind of the newsletter of the community 
at the time. And so Project Shadow was the community site and the Project Shadow informant was the podcast. And then later the podcast became Fandom Today for a little bit. And then I took it back to being just Project Shadow because that's been what I've been online since 1999. When I really feel old, old and old school about this, I got the domain projectshadow.com in 1999. Nope. <clears throat> it's old enough to drink. Yep, it's old. The website is old enough to drink. So, I, I before we get into the other stuff, and I don't get to be as sappy, thank you all for listening. It really means the world to me. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, 1,000 episodes. <laughs> it's crazy. So I would like to take you all with me on a strange journey through the history of Project Shadow. I, I've I, I found it very difficult to find clips that I wanted to bring out. So I looked at a couple different things. Some are some of the more popular episodes from way back in the day that some of you newer listeners have probably never heard. And some of the moments that really meant a lot to me. So one of the things that you're going to discover through this is how much we used to use sound effects, which I've talked about before. And yeah, I hope you find this as fun as I do. I'm going to be talking through some of this and, you know, reminiscing with you as we take this kind of memory stroll through the last... 20 years of Project Shadow. It's not really 20 years. It's what, since 2017, so 13 years of Project Shadow. This is the Project Shadow Informant, episode number 40. Woot! For Wootness sake, it's Wednesday, the 12th of December, 2007. I'm Brian. And I'm Eric. I, I don't know what I think about this, but the word of the year from Merriam-Webster for the year of 2007 is Woot! Woot! Woot. And they actually did spell it W-0-0-T instead of W-O-O-T, which I would have expected Merriam-Webster to uh, go the other way around. Yeah, I always thought that was just a clever writing. Little did I know that I was spelling Woot incorrectly for more than a year now. Yes. You're, you're not leech. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm not exactly sure what this means for the dictionary that this is only word of the year. I'm not from everything that I've been able to read. They're not actually adding the word woot into the dictionary, but it does kind of make me uh, wonder what's going on with the world. They do define woot as we own the other team. As the official definition of woot, it is an interjection used to mean the same as yay. Yay. I love hearing these people talk about things that like, like this, where they're talking about gamer culture on MiriamWebster.com. Now, I must interject. They, their editors, if they're, if they, it just does make it into the MiriamWebster dictionary, their editors need to pick the more popular sentence use for the use of the word in a sentence. I am fairly certain to, Certain with the millions and millions upon millions of MMORG players out there, that the word "woot" 
would be more appropriately used in the sentence of, I have just attained level XXX, Woot, followed by a series of Woots. But you don't like Woot, I won the contest? Woot, I won the contest. It's probably not the most popular use of that sentence. Oh, I totally probably agree. Probably the most sentence used. I totally agree. But word in it. I, I, I'm just kind of freaked out by the idea of Merriam-Webster even talking about words like this. I mean, and, heck, I know in January I used it at least 80 times in Star Wars season had many, many replies. As, <laughs> it's a true and not yeah, in galaxies, level. <laughs> in, in Star Wars Galaxies, the word woot literally actually means I leveled. Yeah, we like to do that. Well, Everybody did that. Yeah. Anyway, in robot news today. So, one of the reasons why I picked that particular clip from our episode Woot for Wootness sake is because it was for the first, I think, five years of the podcast, our number one episode. It seems like everyone who subscribed went back and listened to it. So it, it's an episode that means a lot to me. <laughs> it, it really does because it, it was our first kind of runaway hit. It wasn't, you know, huge in the, you know, it, I don't want to use the word, you know, went V, um, you know, with the pandemic going on, it's hard to say that term anymore, but it was kind of a big thing for us. And it really kind of was the good days. It was the good old days when everything first started. Now, the next clip that I have for you that I wanted to play is one of the first times we started talking about gender on this podcast and it I wish I had said more than I did but we'll talk about it when it's done listen very carefully I shall say this only once time to get up and sparkle peewee sparkle I don't know what the f*** you just said little kid but you're special man you reached out and you touched it by the heart did anybody check Affleck's trailer <laughs> it's Wednesday, the 20th of February, 2008. This is episode number 91, Legislating Gender. I'm Brian. And I'm Eric. I really feel that way today. Yeah. Okay. Um, I w I've been reading the Engender blog, which is a great blog on gender issues. If you're interested in the subject, I highly recommend it. Um, and they pointed out something, and I want to start again by kind of getting rid of a little FUD. I do not believe that this law will go into effect. Let's start with that. I am more concerned at the fact that it, ha it has been put forward. Under the Senate version of the Unborn Child Pain Awareness Act, which just so you know, if this law were to pass, it would make doctor it would mandate that doctors have to inform a woman that the their the fetus may feel pain in the abortion procedure. That that's what that's why I don't think it'll pass with the Democratic Congress. I don't think this is in danger of passing, and I don't even want to get into the abortion question. My concern is one of the articles that was put into this law which defines, and I'm quoting now, woman, 
The term woman means a female human being who is capable of becoming pregnant, whether or not she has reached the age of majority. This is okay. This, we need a miracle. Yeah. This is really strange, and I'm, I really have a hard time with this because once you start legislating gender, and you may go, well, this is just in terms of this law. Once you start putting legal definitions of gender or legal definitions of anything, they start to take on a life of their own. This law would, if passed, and like I said, I really doubt that it would, but if passed, would define a woman as a female human being who is capable of becoming pregnant, whether or not she has reached the age of majority. Now, why does this bother me so much? Because we have numerous states that have enacted Defense of Marriage Acts that define marriage as an, as an act, as a relationship between one man and one woman. If a woman has gone through menopause, is she still legally a woman under this provision? And laws are parsed this way. Yeah. So does that mean after a certain age, you're automatically separated and no longer able to be married? You start. This is why gender should never be legislated because you have, there is a difference, and I'm not going to go into all this right now, between sex, gender, and identity. And when you start trying to legislate these things, you start getting into very strange places that I don't think we as a society ever want to go. Yeah. We need to make sure that our senators, even if I don't care if you're for this bill or against this bill, okay, you can be, I, I don't care if you think this bill should pass or not. If even if you think this bill should pass, you need to contact your senator and say, look, the definition of woman under this law is problematic. Yeah. I, I really want to divorce this away from the abortion issue. I don't, I don't care what side yeah. you're on on this. Who the, wants to walk up to their grandma and go, grandma, you're not a woman, you know? <laughs> well, legally, this yeah. starts having very strange ramifications. Mm -hmm. And before you say that co these companies that only care about money would not start parsing the language this way, you know, yep. they would. Yep. You know, hospitals already do this. Same sex couples can't visit each other in the hospital because they do not have a word attached to them because the language, they're not legally family. Mm -hmm. These words really matter. And it really scares me. When you see this coming in here, and I believe this was probably introduced in the, into the bill when you start looking at the origins of this by people that were trying to close what's been called the transgender loophole in these defensive marriage acts that if simply one partner gets a sex change, then they can then marry. I'm, I'm pretty sure when you look at the names behind this bill, that was the thought process behind it. But it does have serious questions. Does this invalidate a marriage when one, when the female partner is Danny, we need to make it known to our senators and Congress people that we don't want them legislating gender in, in any way, shape or form. We do not want them standing up and saying, this is what a man is. This is what a woman is. This is this is not an area for law. When you try, we're just at the beginning of this frontier where we're starting to talk about gender and really looking into what gender really is. And the, the problem is. When you try to define it, when you try to parse it down to a very simple definition, it gender becomes very hard to define. And that's really the problem that we have in this country. And I wish, I wish, I had talked more about trans people. But it was something I was not very comfortable with at the time. It was something that, one, there wasn't a lot of discussion about, and two, being very much in the closet as I was back then, 
it wasn't something that I felt like I could talk about. But it's interesting to see that even as much as I was lying to myself back then about who I was, this was still something very much on my mind and something that I was watching very closely. And it should have been a sign about what was to come in so, so many ways. It's interesting to watch yourself grow over time. And that's something that having all of this audio is good for in a way and kind of tragic about, because I have said things that, you know, I wish I could take back. And I've said things that I wish I would have said more about. And it really does show my growth as a person over time, going back through the archive. The next episode, I wanted to share a clip from, and this is a clip. It's you're going to feel like it's very long, but it is a clip. Originally went out on January 6th, 2009. And it was where I stated what I wanted Project Shadow to be in a brief history of Project Shadow. And it was amazing listening to this episode again, because this is, in a lot of ways, still my goal with this podcast and everything else that I do. So, here we go. And now, back again after 18 years, the new adventures of Galaxy Quest. Episode number 304, The Project Shadow Revolution, is brought to you by members like you. Thanks for your support. Today is January the 5th, 6th, January 5th. 2009. I think I know what day it is. I'm Brian. And I'm Eric. And oh my goodness, I'm glad to be back. Now, are you one of those people who wonder why we call ourselves Project Shadow? Well, now's where we get to the infomercial portion of today's show. We we originally called ourselves Project Shadow back a long time ago. We started the original version of the site, actually, back in 1999. And we were at the time I was a struggling writer who was getting really, really nasty hate mail from publishers because the fantasy publisher said I was too sci-fi. The sci-fi publisher said I was too fantasy. My favorite was the, the horror. You sent out a submission to, of a horror story to a horror publisher who sent him a letter back saying that this is so soft. You should send it to the, you know, it's a love interest story. Send it to over to a romantic publisher so he did that, sent it to the romantic publisher. We got back, uh, was it a threatening or a terrified I, letter? I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. They were, they were, needless to say, they were deeply disturbed and said they wouldn't dare publish this. It and I should a, send it, oh, send it to, to the horror, horror writer. Yeah. I should send it to a company. Sent them a copy of that letter back. And actually, I sent them, um, yeah. And I also <laughs> sent it to Weird Tales and I got a hate mail because they had just changed their format and were no longer allowed to publish yeah. anything with a romantic storyline in it. And the editor was hateful Yeah, he really, because I, really I missed the deadline to. to get in there. But really yeah, to. I was, I was really frustrated at the time and was trying to figure out what to do. And in 99, there weren't a lot of options open. It's not like it is today. And we decided to kind of go underground and start doing our own thing. And that's where the idea of project shadow came from that we were going to be operating in the shadows, you know, just out of sight. And we wrote for ourselves back in 99, what we called the project shadow manifesto. And it was a set of principles that we wanted to uphold and an idea of where we wanted the industry to go. It was a whole bunch of questions 
and not a lot of answers. We really didn't know what it was we were wanting to do or how to do it. I mean, this yeah. was a completely uncharted world, you know, that was opening up for us because the internet was there, but this is before the popularity of blogs. This is in the era before podcasts. We really had no idea from what we were going to do. And ebooks were like poison. You know, they're, yeah. they're, you, you couldn't, you know, you put an ebook out and it was just crickets. Nobody cared. Nobody read them. And you really didn't have a publishing on demand world. So, I mean, there, there was nothing. And we kind of sat back and started talking to ourselves what we we're going to do. And needless to say, the first incarnation of um, Project Shadow went the way of the dinosaur in 2001. And we kind of took a couple years off where we just tried to regroup. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. I had, and in around that time, I would I had finished Liquid Sky and I was sending it out to publishers looking for a home for it, working on revisions to it, working on other stories as well. And it wasn't until 2004 that we got the inkling that, you know, we what we should do, we just need to bring Project Shadow back. The world's changing. We need to bring Project Shadow back and do it in a big way. And so in 2004, we brought the site back again, but still we didn't know what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go. We had more questions than we had answers. And we just kind of waffled around a lot. You know, we tried everything that we could looking and hoping for something to succeed, you know, and in 2004, that's when we started the blog, you know, we started blogging and we finally started finding our voice about a year ago when we started the podcast actually, and started getting more into the newsiness of it. We started going to conventions and having people say, you know, the stuff that you talk about on the panels, we really need a place where people are talking about this stuff. And, I, I kind of sat back and went, you know, that that's what Project Shadow should be. And we built on that in Project Shadow Symposium, which was the blog at the time, became dashpunk.com. And we started Dashpunk Media as the company to hold this all together, that we're, everything that we're trying to do. And as time was going on, we, we realized that we were having a really hard time explaining to people what it was we were trying to do. So I, over the last couple of months, have spent a lot of time crafting a new Project Shadow Manifesto, which is now up uh, over at the site at dashpunk.com. It's sticky up on the top, and it will be until the next post in the series comes out. And the basic idea of what we're going for here is we are fans. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. And, you know, I've had arguments with Solar Flare and io9 and other sites about this for years. And... When I say we're fans, it's a little, very simple thing. We love our music, our stories, our characters, our settings. We know about what we love. We participate in what we love. We support what we love, and what we love supports us. You know, that's what being a fan is. You know, we decorate our house with stuff. You come to my house, we got Star Wars stuff everywhere. We got Simpsons stuff on the walls, you know. We got Star Trek stuff here, there, and yonder. You know, my picture... That's if you have gone to any of my social networking profiles of me and George Takei's right out in public. It's like even looking at the Christmas tree, there's a Yoda ornament. Yeah, we have the all the Yoda stuff and the Homer stuff and everything, you know? Yeah. And, you know, fandom is so much more than anyone, uh, (coughs) you know, allows himself to think that it is. Because to me, it's more than just, I like this stuff. This is my culture. When I, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I grew up gay in a very conservative fa- family in a culture that I did not identify with at all. And I, quite honestly, found my salvation, if I can use that word, in fandom. A friend of mine said, I know this place. I'm going there this weekend. Do you want to come? 
and I begged and pleaded and begged my mom to let me go. And that happened to be shore leave 10. And, you know, I went there and for the first time I met other people like me who love the same stuff that I did. And I discovered filk and I discovered fanfic and I discovered fan films and I discovered all of this stuff. And this really did kind of give me a place that I felt like I belonged. And I think there are a lot of people out there like me who have had that same feeling that you, once you get around other fans, that's where you feel at home, that we actually are a subculture in and of ourselves, but we haven't self-identified as such yet. You know, the geeks, yeah, the geeks have self-identified and, you know, well, I like tech, you know, and they've organized and they've developed a great community and I've kind of bounced in and out of that community. But you know what? That's not me. I'm not, you know, I'm interested in gadgets. I'm interested in all that stuff, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a sci-fi geek, you know, I, I like my franchise fiction and my books and my movies and everything else. And so that's what we're wanting to do here at Project Shadow with the informant, with the, um, the dashpunk.com blog and with everything over at the HQ is we're wanting to find a, make a place where fans can come together and share the things that they like. And hopefully I've continued doing that. Um, the saga after this was a crazy one. I was trying to work with the Creative Commons Foundation to actually create a fandom license, which they never supported. They thought it was important for them to stay focused on doing the Creative Commons project. And, you know, I knew back then that, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, the big, you know, Marvel the big IPs that people want to do fan fiction in, we're never going to go for creative commons. And I wanted to try to make something in the middle. And it was interesting that not long after that, (laughs) Amazon started Kindle worlds and actually tried to do something like that, but they never got enough people to sign in and sign on. And it didn't work. And they ended up just closing it not that long ago. Ah, Dreams, dreams and ambitions, they come and they go. The the next couple clips are going to be fairly serious. And I feel like I should warn you up front. And they will have some objectionable language in them because I tell stories from my own life. And people have not, people have been cruel to me from time to time. I know, surprise, shocker that. And yeah, so the first one is very special to me and kind of a turning point in this podcast. And originally came out on June 29th, 2015. I think that's the date. Let me check that. Um, yeah, and it was the day that we gained equality. It was not the day of, like I had to sit and think about it. Yeah. June 29th, 2015. I had to sit and think about it and really let myself come to terms with what had just happened because I was just flabbergasted. I was shocked. It it didn't make sense to me. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And this is just a brief moment where I opened up in ways that I hadn't before, and the shape of this podcast kind of changed forever. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Project Shadow, episode number 566, Declared Human. My name's Eric, and if you don't know, I am a sci-fi fantasy writer from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and I am gay. I've been gay for a long time. In fact, most of my life, if not all my life, I mean, my first memories of not being like the other kids came in second grade. When I realized I was more interested in this one kid on the um, playground and the other boys were interested in the girls. It was a weird sensation. I learned to lie. I learned to tell people, oh, you know, I don't have a crush on him. I have a crush on his sister, his cousin. I got really good at lying. And that is a terrible, terrible thing. I decided with this episode just to be a little bit more open in format and not really cover much in the news other than last week. Last week on Friday, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, the Supreme Court of the country that I've lived in my entire life, finally declared me a full and complete citizen of the country that I live in. I read the entire decision that Justice Kennedy wrote, and it's beautiful. And it's so much more important than what people are taking it to mean. Yes, he legalized marriage in all 50 states. And Brian and I are now working on trying to figure out how we want to do this. We kind of want to make our wedding on our anniversary, which is in January. So we don't have a lot of time to figure things out. But yeah, we can get married here in Missouri. I don't want to go through the whole sad story of, you know, my life. I mean, it hasn't been all bad. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I remember losing my job once. I had a really, really good job. I was managing a store and making more money than I ever should have and getting fired because my manager found out I was gay. You know, I actually remember her talking to me on the phone and her asking me, Eric, are you a faggot? And I thought about lying. I really did. I thought about lying. But at that point in my life, I had been out to most of my, to my friends, well, to all my friends and to parts of my family. And it just felt wrong staying in the closet. So I said, yes, I am. And she fired me right there on the spot. And so I can't remember the exact name of the group, but I called the Maryland, um, what is it? Equal opportunity board or whatever. And the person that I talked to on the phone just laughed and said, well, what did you think was going to happen? Like it was my fault. I deserved getting fired simply because of the people I love because of who I love because of who I am. I deserve to be fired. <laughs> I've had a lot of experiences like that throughout my life, and I honestly never, ever thought that in this country I I would ever see a day like we saw last week. I never thought it would happen. I really never did. I hoped, I hoped, I dreamed, I prayed, I wanted it to happen, but I just didn't think that it would. There was something about these five people in black robes saying that I have equal dignity in my own country that it made me feel human 
it was like this weight was just ripped off of me. And I just started crying. And all day I was, I mean, tears kept streaming down my face and I kept laughing and the two just mingled together and danced together. And I just didn't know how to process it. I still don't. I'm sitting here trying to talk to you guys about it. And I thought about doing a script. So my thoughts would be, you know, much more linear and easier to follow. But, you know, we have such a good relationship that I thought it would be better just to be honest. And I had never realized that it wasn't that I felt lesser, that I felt unequal. It was that I felt that they were trying to say that I was not a legitimate part of the species. That's that's something to try to wrap your mind around. And I don't know how many of you guys have had a similar experience. I mean, I know I have a lot of LGBT listeners, and it would be fascinating to know if any of you guys have had the same experience with this. Because you did. And you let me know. And I became much more open and honest about topics of gender and sexuality and everything else after that. And that brings me to the last clip that I wanted to play. Um, I'm going to get emotional, so bear with me. I came out as trans on this podcast. Not that I came out on this podcast, but with the exception of a small, intimate group of friends that I had talked to, I had not admitted to being non-binary or anything. And I came out on this podcast and shared my story for the first time here. And for the first time that a lot of friends and family ever heard it was through this podcast. And I wanted to share just a little bit of that with you because it's something that means a lot to me. This was from episode 617, Identity and the Search for Story, that came out in August, August 30th, 2018. And it was one of the hardest episodes I have ever recorded in my life. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday show. My name is Charlie. I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. And today, we're actually going to be talking about me. One of the things that's really been haunting me, well, I, I always feel like it's a dangerous thing for an author to do an author insert character. Um, I wanted to, okay, this is very hard for me to talk about. And so I'm going to probably be hemming and hawing a little bit this episode. But since I realized that I am transgender and trying to figure out what that means, I wanted to actually write a transgender character as a method, as a way to explore gender and try to get a feel for what it is that I am going for. Um, and okay. So I have been struggling over whether or not I am some kind of whether where I am on the spectrum, I identify primarily as she, her, those are my preferred pronouns. Well, I do have social dysphoria and I do have body dysphoria. I am not sure whether or not I am 
a transgender woman or if I am just genderqueer. And that, I don't know. I realized that a lot of my struggle in writing a transgender character was that I hadn't really decided for myself. It's easy to put off your self-work when you're a workaholic and you're always working on something else. Since I'm going through the issues that I am going through, I thought it might be interesting to explore those as they affect a fictitious character. That way I can get some distance from them and present them in maybe a way that a cisgendered audience, a a non-trans audience, would find interesting, especially in light of this being in this kind of epic fantasy setting, which I think brings up a lot of questions. You know, it was only a couple years ago I realized that I was at least genderqueer, which is stupid because of experiences I had in my youth. Like, it should have been the most obvious thing. And that's kind of where I'm wanting to end this, is, like, just telling my story. I mean, I'm 41 years old. I'm going to be 42. I am struggling with my gender in a way that should have been blindingly obvious from a very young age. I remember the... You know, when I remember the traumas of puberty and how much I was upset at how my body was changing and the ways my body was changing and how it was no longer acceptable for me to hang out amongst the girls, even though that's where I wanted to be and that I had to hang out amongst the boys because that didn't feel right. And that these boy things were being foisted on me. Like I should be doing sports. I didn't want to be doing sports. I wanted to be doing my hair and my nails like the other girls were. And I remember when I was a child, when I was a child, I remember being like eight, nine years old, sitting up at night in bed, begging to the universe, just God, the devil, anyone who will hear me when I wake up, please let me wake up a little girl. Please let me wake up a little girl. And I remember doing that when I was a kid. And not just when I was a kid, I have done that several times in my life because like innately, I know who that I'm not masculine. I'm not a man. I'm not a boy. I have known that so much of my life. But when I came out of the closet, the first thing my mother said to me when I came out to my family. The first thing my mother said to me very accusatorily was, so do you want to be a woman? So are you a woman now? And in this knee-jerk reaction, because it was a very contentious conversation that we had, I said, no. That one word shaped 20 years of my life. Because I kind of shoved all of those feelings into a box and I tried to lock them away because being gay was a step too far. Being trans would, you know, never let me be back with my family. And so I shoved all of those feelings into a box. And sometimes at night I would get that box out and I would cry myself to sleep about it, but I wouldn't let myself acknowledge it for 20 years. And yeah, 
that that was an, an important moment for me. And I shared it with you. <laughs> I shared it with you all before a lot of people. And like I said, a lot of people found out about this in my life. A lot of people found out about this through listening to that episode because I shared it on Facebook with a note that said, anybody who really wants to know me and know what's been going on in my life, you should listen to this episode. This podcast gave me the courage to do that. This podcast gave me the courage to do a lot of things that I probably would not have done if it wasn't for this. And for that, I, I want to say thank you to everyone who's helped me get to a thousand episodes. You all are amazing and you mean the world to me. You really do. And there's nothing I can say or do that will ever show my gratitude to you all. It's been a long, strange trip getting here. I hope you enjoyed those clips because the audio quality was not the best. And hopefully you agree that I've gotten a lot better at that over the years. And yeah, so thank you so much for listening and for being there with me. And I hope we have another thousand episodes together and I hope we have a lot more. So until next time, well, actually, before I get to next time, if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on social media. I am C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. For anybody who has a buck to spare, in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and listener support. Thank you to everyone who does that, especially in these times. It means more to me than you will ever know. If you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know anybody you think would like anything that I do, share it with them. In fact, I'm probably going to pin this episode on most of my social media pages because it's a good introduction to who I am, who the, what this podcast is, and where it's come from. So thank you again for everything and helping me get to this point. And until next time, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.